0: Deep below the surface of a poisoned world, a dead and desolate place long abandoned, there is life. The Low City, a simple name for something so significant, is the last known bastion of civilization in an empty land, a place where the remaining people of what once was must struggle together to survive, and perhaps more. Their forms are varied. Their societies all but incompatible. Their futures bleak. Hot and cramped and utilitarian, the low city is not a place of beauty. Its people will never again see a blue sky above their heads. Feel the cool breeze on their skin. Those who have skin. They live in a world that will always be less than it once was. And yet, they struggle on. Because, if nothing else, struggling on is what people do. Let me tell you about them. Many in the ancient low City, if asked to name the most industrious of all its inhabitants, would name the Umbresi. They would think of their feats of engineering, their ingenuity, the breadth of scale at which they operate they would not, in all likelihood, think first of the GRIB. To the GRIB, this is not a problem at all. In fact, it may well be preferable. They don't generally seek out that kind of attention. In fact, most would much rather be left well enough alone. This isn't out of xenophobia, to be clear. Well, not for most. Not technically. To the GRIB, Self-sufficiency is of the utmost importance, not only as individuals, but as the Grib as a whole. From an early age, the Grib are taught that they should be able to keep on living even if everyone else in the world went away, and that Grib as a people should be able to keep on living as if everyone else went away. It is a societal inclination that is equal parts pride, a disdain of the other, and good old-fashioned paranoia. Whether or not it's healthy, it has, so far, worked out well for them, even if it has put them in a somewhat unusual position. Despite, or rather because of, their insular society and insistence on self-sufficiency, the Grib have, over time, become absolutely crucial to the Low City's well-being. Less than a thousand Grib had made it to the Low City before the entrance was sealed, and the very existence of their species was anything but guaranteed for the first few centuries. When you consider the fraught political situation of those early years, the tensions between groups who had either had little to do with one another before, or who had had less than harmonious relations, it makes sense that the leaders of the Grib sought to keep their people to their own affairs. The whole world, what was left of it, was clearly a powder keg and the Grib had enough problems on their own just trying to feed themselves and maintain genetic diversity through a careful breeding program. Let the other races deal with their own problems. Perhaps someday the Grib would emerge and reconnect with the survivors. They dedicated themselves to spreading wide, giving themselves space away from the main body of the Low City and whatever catastrophes might strike it and creating a stable world for themselves. They built farmland, or whatever one might call the subterranean version of farmland, where they experimented and practiced and grew their knowledge of how to survive underground long-term, what crops were sustainable, even inventing some new ones. It was, for a lot of Grib, an unspoken fact that they would soon be the only living beings on the planet, if they themselves survived, of course. But they did survive, and to their great surprise, so did the rest of the Low City, if a little less comfortably and a little more hungrily. Eventually, the Grib integrated themselves into Low City society, such as it was, and rapidly became an important part of the Low City's foundation. Their agricultural infrastructure and the knowledge they had gleaned during their isolation were well ahead of that of the rest of the city whose focus had been taken with other matters. Survival can take many forms, after all. And so the Grib were in a prime position to become an indispensable part of the Low City's future, in a crucial and yet almost passive way. Their power came not from military might or political engineering, but from being useful. Exactly according to plan, then. Though the other Low City residents would never have imagined such a plan existed, and to this day no Grib will acknowledge it. Because it wasn't a plan. Not really. More a matter of... Instinct. Squat, four-limbed and four-eyed, with rough, flabby skin that can appear in a variety of colours, which shift over the course of their lifespan. The Grib stand out among the people of the Low City, almost as much as they blended into the murky waters of their natural homes. Formerly aquatic, the Grib once called the swamps and marshes of the surface home. Most of the other residents of the Low City had pulled themselves out of the primordial soup eons ago. The Grib, on the other hand, had happily remained in an environment not dissimilar to it above all other options, right up until the Low City became the only option available. Consummate survivors, they have always found ways to just make things work out for them. Not through chance, but through sheer determination. Most would say that a swamp is no place for civilization. Buildings, infrastructure, large-scale agriculture, all impossible as far as most are concerned. As far as the Grib were concerned, these were all bonuses. Not because they made things easier. They were, of course, huge obstacles. But because, as a result, nobody else wanted that territory. The Grib had their marshes and swamps, and they were welcome to them. And they made it work. Without much in the way of competition, they were able to thrive in isolation. They made their own mud-based buildings and dredged sections of the swamp to make usable farmland, and created techniques for all the things that were so easy on land that made them almost as easy in the swamps. They had found their niche, a small one, a limited one, but one where they could thrive, relatively speaking, in peace. They didn't know it, but they were actually acting out a sort of modernized version of their old survival techniques, from before their brains had grown larger and their hands more dexterous, from an age before buildings and agriculture, when they had been mere animals, which had survived chiefly by being a little too Weird and unpleasant for predators to want to eat. They hadn't ever wanted to leave their swamps, because they didn't need to. Until they did. If there are still swamps out there, the Grib of the Low City do not know about them. And if there are, they are probably better off not knowing. They make do with what they have, as they always have, even if their sensitive skin has still yet to adjust to the subterranean life all these generations later. While the swamps and marshes were their ancestral home, and though they still do look back on their half-remembered recollections of swamps and marshes as a lost Eden of sorts, at the time they did not choose their habitat for its desirability, they just made do. They survived, following their instincts. And now instinct has become society, and it continues to benefit them. Now, as in those halcyon days, they make do. That period of isolation where they had hidden themselves away and dedicated themselves to self-sufficiency has since become the historical bedrock of the slightly less isolationist grip of today. They are the agricultural powerhouse that keeps the majority of the Low City fed, subsisting on a diet of tubers and fungi that grow larger and more consistently due to some simple yet effective techniques they developed. The methods they use have changed little since their isolation, with the exception being that water is now pumped using Umbresi machinery from the huge underground reservoir that borders the Low City's southern side as opposed to being carried bucket by bucket. Other than that adjustment, which has allowed for the increase in scale that feeding the entire low city brought, little else has changed. And apart from small personal gardens, nobody really tries to compete. The techniques of the Grib are not secret, though. The Grib happily share their methods with anyone who will ask, because they know that if they kept them secret, they wouldn't be secret for long and those who sought them probably wouldn't ask. Instead, they rely on the fact that there is little reason for anyone to compete, even if such a thing is possible. Their prices are reasonable, and the level of infrastructure they have built up gives them such a head start that competition would be an uphill struggle. Again, as ever, the Grib survive largely by making themselves a small target. They make themselves useful, and keep their ambitions small, and in return, they are considered beneath attention for the most part. One might even argue that they are ideologically opposites of the Umbresi, where an Umbresi might be shunned, or at the very least looked down on for a lack of ambition. An outwardly ambitious Grib is an oddity, to say the least. Of course, while their present society is based largely on relics of their primeval instincts, They haven't been animals in a very long time. And so, there are exceptions. One such exception is a Grib named Acrid Round Soft. Or at least, that is the best one can do to describe their name. While the naming conventions of the Grib have evolved somewhat since their integration into Low City Society, they still rely entirely on odour for identification. All that has changed, really, is that they have learned more how to describe odors for the benefit of those who cannot produce or smell them with as much specificity as a grib. Typically, when introducing oneself to an outsider, a grib will release their personal scent, then describe it in their own terms. First the initial impression, then the main body of the smell, then the intensity. Describing any lingering odours is not common, though it is sometimes included if it is particularly strong, or in some formal situations. Acrid Round Soft is a lot like most other Grib, outwardly. A few years from maturity, they work with their parent, Sharp Floral Bold, as a mudscaper. Using techniques pioneered by the Grib, they carefully sculpt the soil and mud that is the Low City's most abundant resource... ...into something more practical. They adjust the original Umbresi designs into forms that better suit their purposes... ...but subtly, not in any way that would obscure the original work. At the great tuber and fungus farms, they help ensure that the enriched soil is always where it needs to be... ...as nutrients are precious in a world without sun. Like an Umbresi maintainer, Acrid Round Soft and their parent work tirelessly and almost invisibly, to make sure that the world that others might take for granted can continue to exist. But while the work of this pair is not so underappreciated as that of a maintainer, it is still not the life for Acrid Round Soft. Because, secretly, deep within their heart, Acrid Round Soft wants to be an artist... Art in the Low City is not unheard of. Where there are beings of any level of sapience, there is likely to be art along with them. Art in Grib civilization is somewhat more rare, however, as it doesn't really directly benefit the collective in any tangible way. Among the Grib, all the entertainment that is needed is a good... It is perhaps best translated as hubbub. A group of Grib gather in an enclosed space, easier than ever in the low city's tunnels, and express their scent glands into the air, releasing clouds of all sorts of smells that waft and mingle as one. Then, the participants mould and change the scent of the room together, like musicians in a jam session, each bringing something of their own, feeling the tone of the smell and tweaking it in collaboration with everyone else. It is an art, and a unique one at that, as none but a Grib can ever participate, or even bear witness to it. The resulting smell is usually sufficient to knock most outsiders unconscious, even from a great distance, although some gas bags have expressed an appreciation. Acrid Round Soft does not, however, find much of interest in the hubbub. It is so fleeting, so impermanent. It's completely inaccessible to non-grib, and Acrid Roundsoft has some ambitious, if perhaps naive, notion that art could be a way to improve grib relations with the rest of the low city, if only they could find a more accessible form. And then one day, while Acrid Roundsoft and their parent, Sharp Floral Bold, were shoring up the edges of an embankment using a hardy and quick-drying mixture of mud, Inspiration struck the young Grib. Their dexterous long fingers worked deep into the mud, pushing and pulling at the fibrous root strands woven into it, creating a subtle design on the surface of the wall, which evoked in their chest feelings of... nostalgia, a longing for some time long past that... Then their parent had made some half-heard comment that had snapped Acrid Round soft back to reality and they quickly smoothed back the surface of the mud to a nice even consistency. But they never forgot that moment, that single instant where suddenly they saw the world with a greater clarity than they had previously thought possible. It was as if, for their entire life up to that moment, they had been sleepwalking, and now they were awake. They were a sculptor. A word which Acrid Roundsoft didn't even know at the time in any of the Low City's languages. They wanted to create things that said. Things. They didn't even know how that worked, but suddenly they knew it was possible. This was what their life was about now. And their parent would never approve. Sharp Floral Bold had always been a good parent, a caring parent in their own way. ...but they were very much set in their ways. It wasn't so much that they expected their offspring to follow in their footsteps... ...as it was that they'd never considered any other outcome. Grib are asexual as well as agender... ...with a single individual being able to reproduce by themselves... ...and bear one child at a time for as many years as they see fit. In years long gone, it was common for Grib to continue birthing new offspring... ...over and over for their entire lives... Playing against the probability that a cruel world was likely to take away a significant number of their young. In the relative safety and somewhat more cramped confines of the Low City, most Grib will stop having children after between two and five pregnancies. Sharp Floral Bold is an outlier in that they stopped at one. Perhaps they simply think that one is enough to ensure their legacy, or perhaps they found the experience of pregnancy too unpleasant to repeat. Their reasons are theirs, and are to be respected, of course, but this also leaves their child with a difficult choice, to follow their dreams, or their parents. The rest of this sad story proceeds as one might expect, as it has in so many forms in so many families. No doubt most are familiar with some variation on this sort of familial strife. The growing gulf between the pair, the resentment, the confusion over the resentment, the day that, many years after Acrid Roundsoft first discovered their ambition, they finally told their parent of it, the bitter argument that followed. It is all terribly sad and terribly common. One day, not long after their offspring reached maturity, sharp floral bold found their home empty. Their child was gone, without even a note. In place of one was a small statue, made of baked mud, an abstract piece that seemed to evoke the shape of two figures hugging. A sharp floral bold has not, in the years since, seen nor heard from their child. Perhaps they will produce another child to replace the one they lost, or perhaps they will not. Perhaps they will someday reconcile with acrid round soft. The note that their relationship ended on might suggest that this is an impossibility, and yet as they go about their work, shaping mud into fountains and walls and farming soil, there is the hint of a flourish that wasn't there before, an artistic flare that evokes that first joyous moment where their child discovered a new passion, that hints that acrid round soft is never far from their thoughts, and somewhere else, separated by miles of dirt and many more miles of tunnels. Perhaps acrid round soft continues to use that same composition of mud that their parent taught them to create as a gribbling, even as the other members of the artistic collective they now call home do their best to convince them of the merits of some other materials. Perhaps they are simply sticking with a medium with which they are familiar and comfortable. Or perhaps there is something more to it. Perhaps when their new umbressy and lesh friends notice that Acrid Roundsoft has a far-off look in their eyes as they work at a new sculpture, they're not merely lost in their work, but lost in a memory of a past they long for, or the dream of a future they hope will one day come to pass. Perhaps it will. If this feels like an abrupt conclusion, or even perhaps the absence of a conclusion, well, that is because this story simply isn't complete, nor is it unique. Efficiency and survivalism are not inherent to the Grib, just as ambition is not inherent to a Lesh. These are societal traits, instilled into most at a young age. Acrid Round Soft has simply gone against this one. By ending this story before the end, Perhaps it can be a stand-in for any number of others, of the young telling the old what the future will be like. And maybe they'll even be right. Anything is possible in the ever-changing, ever-growing tunnels of the Low City. Tales from the Low City is created by Dom Guilfoyle. If you like it, please consider supporting me on Patreon and join the show's Discord. Keep living in this world, let it live in you. Do what you like with it. Thanks.